0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. 1 Kings 17 verse 1 Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. The reading started with the word now, but to understand the word, what was happening then, when a man called Elijah entered the court of a wicked king and announced the word of the king of the universe and said what would happen next, you have to know what happened before now. This was an awful time in the history of Israel, especially for anybody who wanted to faithfully follow God. It seems like there were few of them left. So I just want to give you a quick history, a sketch of what happened before that now moment. The Bible says God took the children of Israel out of captivity to bring them into the promised land. He said, I'll be your king, you be my people. And then he gave them like terms and conditions about how this would operate. It's called a covenant. You've probably heard that word. Kings did this all the time in those days so the people could understand it easily. For example, he gave them 10 commandments, pretty basic things like, I am the only true God. Don't follow other gods, don't worship idols. In Deuteronomy 11 and 12, the king laid out the covenant like this. He said, love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws and his commands always. Remember his majesty. He's a king. His mighty hand, his outstretched arm, the signs he performed and the things he did to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then he says, if you faithfully obey the commands that I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will send rain on your land in its season so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied." Then there's a warning, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens. So it will not rain, the ground will not yield its produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Verse 26 says, see I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from the way I command you, if you follow other gods which you've not known. And then in Deuteronomy 28, God the king says, if they obeyed him, he says, I will set you high above all the nations on the earth. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his beauty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations and borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. There's so many, lots more fantastic blessings. I haven't got time to read all of this, but the the other side of the terms and conditions, if they defaulted, is a very long read. I can't read it all, as I say, but the king says, if the nation turns its back on him, all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you're entering to possess, wasting diseases, fever and inflammation, scorching heat and drought." Which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze. The ground beneath you will be iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. Verse 25 The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day, you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. The sights you see, it says, will drive you mad. You will sow much seed but harvest little because locusts will devour it. The list goes on and on. All these curses, it says, will come upon you because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the day of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst, with nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemy that the Lord sends against you. In other words, they're gonna go into exile. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing and a despairing heart. You'll live in constant suspense, filled with dread both day and night, never sure of your life. What a terrible way to live. How many people live like that today? Anxious minds, despairing hearts. God said, I love you, love me back. If you follow me as king, you will be blessed unlike any other nation that has ever been. To which the people kept on replying as we read, hmm, can't we just be like the other nation? Can't we just have a human king like they have? There's a book called Judges, which is basically where there wasn't a king and people just did what they want and it really was awful. It just kept getting better and then a bit worse, then terrible. And and the fact that the people wanted anybody else other than God to be their king really hurt him. And he warned them in 1 Samuel 8: he says, Listen, if you have human kings like everybody else, they're not going to give like I give, they're going to take. They're going to take your money, take your kids, take everything. And the people said, Yes, please, we still want a human king. Please give us a human king so we can be like all the other nations. And then God said, well, listen, if you do, if you have to have a king like that, make sure he reads my word every day so that he can be wise, so I can use him to bless you. But that's not how it went. King number one was Saul. God did not set him up to fail, but Saul was a very insecure leader right from the start. And it soon became clear he was more bothered what people thought about his leadership than what God said. It ended in disaster. Saul wasted years jealously trying to kill his successor rather than fight for God. Then after consulting a witch for guidance, instead he killed himself. Then David, the man after God's own heart, was the next king. But the giant slayer was also an adulterer and a murderer. And God said... Listen, I, David, I would have given you anything you wanted, but you wanted what I said you could not have, another man's wife. And that betrayal did not just tear his own family apart, it started to crack open the kingdom as well. Next was Solomon who asked for God's wisdom to rule the people, but wasn't wise enough to rule over his own passions. He had so many wives, he must have lost count after 700. He just kept adding more and more and more. And though God said, don't marry outside of the people who follow me, or those wives will lead you astray. He says he married foreign princesses who did just that. After him, many many kings came to rule the nation who were no longer even tried to rule for God, And from 1 Kings chapter 12 onwards, you see divided hearts led to a divided kingdom, split north to south, and they spiral down, down, down in their evil ways, going from bad to worse. A guy called Jeroboam, when he became king, set up golden calves, instituted unauthorized priests for his northern kingdom and told the people, you don't have to go to the temple at Jerusalem to worship, just bow down here to these instead. And then for generations, king after king, didn't come to power by God's appointment. It was either by inheritance or by murdering the one before them, regicide that's called. And time after time, time, we can read the summary of their life. It's something like this. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the ways of his father and committing the same sin his father had caused Israel to commit. So God stopped operating through those kings. Instead, he spoke through prophets, people who hear him and speak for him. Of course, when they speak for the heavenly king, it's not what the earthly kings want to hear. So they reject it and the nation just gets darker and deadlier. A king called Omri takes the throne. It says he was worse than any who'd ever been before him until Omri had a son called Ahab. We're going to read a lot about him. This is what we read read about him just over the page before our reading that we started with to start this new series. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 to 33 says, "'In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab son of Omri became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him." Now that's quite a statement after all of the idolatry, greed and bloodshed of the kings he followed, can you see how morality slips unchecked from one generation to another? When what was shocking in a previous generation, especially for a person in a position of trusted leadership, is now considered trivial by the ones in power. Much of the reason for this incredible corruption was because he did not just marry a princess who was not an Israelite, Ahab married a witch. Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal I, the priest of Baal. Baal means Lord. She learned early on from daddy, the way to get power is to attack anybody with it and take over because he killed the king of Tyre, then took the throne. Baal later became known as Beelzebub, Satan. This was the fertility god of sex power and prosperity, worshiped by the nations surrounding Israel throughout Bible times. Baal was said to control the rain, the lightning, the storms. He demanded sacrifices to do so and Jezebel was power hungry, lying, flattering, deceptive, dramatic, seductive, manipulative. She married off to get more power See, Jezebel always goes after the prophets and she started a systematic extermination of them. She would stop at nothing until every person and place would bow down and serve her and her demon lord, especially Israel, which was ruled by the weak, compliant, greedy, needy Ahab. The altars and huge idols to Baal and Ashtoreth, his female consort, represented and looked like sex organs, both male and female, and with prostitutes as the priests in charge. Can you imagine how worship was conducted? Human sacrifice, child sacrifice was common where Baal was worshipped and honoured. The kingship of Israel was so depraved, so departed from the kingdom of God. You can read more about Jezebel throughout the Bible, I urge you to do so, because we're not just talking here about one historical queen hundreds of years ago. See Ephesians 6 verse 12 warns us our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jezebel is one of those powers. We're not just talking about a woman here, this isn't male or female, this spirit can operate over a nation, a region, an organisation, yes, even a church. I look back over every place I've ever been in ministry and now I can see how this demonic force has attacked in various ways at different times because it hates God, it hates God's people and especially attacks leaders. It's like a virus that wants to get in the computer and it wants to influence and defile and deceive and destroy. It dominates, it intimidates, it manipulates and leads people away. People without discernment, away from intimacy with God, into idolatry and immorality. And those who proudly think they're immune to Jezebel's controlling influence quickly fall prey to its flattery, its seductive charms or furious attack when cornered because Jezebel binds you and then it blinds you, like Delilah to rob your strength. Jezebel charms you as it harms you, until like John the Baptist, you lose your head. The Phoenician origin of her name means unhusbanded. So although she married Ahab, the relationship meant nothing to her except as a means to an end. See, marriage as God intends is meant to be about mutual submission in love, but she wants everybody to submit to her. Jezebel does not want to be the head, that's too obvious. She wants to be the neck that controls the head. Jezebel ensured that Ahab exchanged the truth for lies, the holy for the profane. Later on in 2 Kings 9, we learn that she was an adulteress practicing witchcraft. But she she wouldn't seem like that. She'd seem very spiritual, very religious. And that's the backdrop to what's gone on. That's the past and the present, but years ago, some of us remember Graham Cook came and told us something very pertinent about prophecy. I think this is really important to us remember in our year of focus at Ivy, it's that people who hear and serve God, his prophetic people, that's you and me, because Jesus said his sheep hear his voice, are not past, present in our focus. That will just leave you stuck. So we turn the page and we read the word now. As we start a new chapter and we start this new series, and I believe right now we also start a new season as a church because God is doing a new thing and he wants us to perceive it. But for that to happen, we have to shift focus and be not past present, but present, future focus people. We look at what's now and what's next as we become more aware of God. We don't stay focused on what the enemy has done or is trying to do or what he's doing. We focus on what God is saying and what he's doing and what he's about to do. And so, at the moment of deepest darkness in the whole of Israel's history so far, when it seemed everybody had turned away to worship demonic powers, when the people were ruled by cruel, godless leaders, when Ahab and Jezebel were living it up and laughing everything off in the palace and the land was full of evil. When it appeared there was nobody left in the land who followed the true God because everybody was bowing down to Baal. Up stepped the prophet, Elijah. In the weeks ahead we're going to learn a lot more about him but right now we don't know anything except that he's the Tishbite from Tishbe. I love that. It's like I'm Anthony the Manc from Manchester, he's Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. So, look at 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1, it starts now, because this is when the story starts to change. Now, we've looked back but now we're going present, future, we're headed into the prophetic realm where miracles are about to start. Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. And he stands in the court of Ahab, who believes that Baal is God. And Elijah stands on God's word to make a powerful, present, future declaration on behalf of his king. God is going to do what he said he would do. Now, here's what will happen. Next, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, or before whom I stand, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. What's that? That's in your face Ahab. In your face Jezebel and in your face Baal. You think you're Lord, you think you're in charge, you think you're powerful. Rain and fire fall at your command. Magic from you makes the crops grow. Well here's the weather report. Start the hosepipe ban now. No rain for years and there will be nothing you can do about it. This is so bold to stand before the most powerful evil rulers. Now think about protesters now in Hong Kong or uh, Putin's Russia. And then, as I was praying this story, actually in the night, last night, the Lord started to speak to me about how our, our own successive governments and how they've made it really much more difficult to be biblically faithful and politically correct. The fact is, Elijah didn't make anything happen he just lined up his words with God's word and spoke them out and declared them to be true in the face of the lies the nation was believing he was telling them the curse from Deuteronomy you're living in it the heavens will be like brass not rain because you rebelled against God so as I say at 5 a.m this morning God started to talk to me and, and what would his words say to our nation what would it be the nation that you're watching from today has the world we're living in becoming has he been getting closer to honouring God, keeping his laws, or further and further in succeeding generations? What do you think? What have we worshipped? What are we worshipping? That's now being shown empty or powerless to meet our needs or save. What gods have we worshipped? Who have we made our idols? Who have we tried to follow to make our lives successful? What have we modelled and taught to our children? See, we've proudly thought we can go where we want, do what we want. God doesn't care. God's probably not even there. We put our hope instead in science and medicine. We can live forever. We bow down to the almighty economy. The only policies that matter are the ones that bring us prosperity, consuming everything while the poor get poorer. Every day we love the idols of sport every night we worship the stars on the tv but we say we've no time for god or his word or to pray we love witchcraft we celebrate it just a bit of fun for the kids who cares what god says about marriage and sex we are free rampant adulterous unrestrained through a tide of filth through porn and tinder and if we don't want the babies we can abort them at home now too Elijah stood before the earthly powers and the evil spiritual people, the leaders of his day, and he declared the word of God to them. No matter who he stood in front of, he stood on the word of God. He stood for the word of God. And you know what? That's what I pray we will always do, Ivy. Elijah stood up to those evil forces and he stood against them because he knew who was standing with him right there. Because although the NIV translated his words, as the Lord lives whom I serve, it's actually more accurate to say, as Yahweh lives before whom I stand, which is huge. Because we are never gonna see miracles until we know the position that we're praying from. And I don't mean whether we sit or kneel or stand physically, I mean spiritually. There's only one way we will ever stand as God's prophetic people. Whatever hard place or situation we're in, whoever we stand before, whatever stands against us, Elijah knew he was standing before the Lord. Wherever he went, he was aware he always stood in the presence of the Lord. No matter what was going on visibly to the natural eye, the supernatural God was his focus. If we're going to be God's prophetic people, it has to stay there, start there. We have to get a a kingdom focus. We have to make that shift. We're like Elijah now. And wherever we stand, we have access to the courts of heaven as we pray. The scripture says, after Jesus was raised from the dead, God highly exalted him to his own right hand, the highest position of authority in the universe, and made him head over all things for the church, it says in Ephesians. Who's the church? You and me. It says, it says, God the Father gave him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every being everywhere in heaven, earth, hell, every power must bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Baal's not Lord. It doesn't end there though. We need to realise how that affects us because Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, if and when we've come to follow Jesus, when we traded that old life in and he brings new life, In him, into us, something happened, past tense, something incredibly powerful. It says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Elijah wasn't even a New Testament believer like you and me, but while he could see Ahab and Jezebel's court in front of him, he could also see that he was standing in the courts of heaven with the Lord of heaven and earth standing right there with him too. He could see what God was doing, hear what God was saying and see and say what God was about to do. He knew he didn't have to be afraid. When the drought hit, God hid him away, guided him, provided for him in miraculous ways, one way then another, as God said, go here, do this, now now there, go here. And while he did what God said, While Ahab and Jezebel went thirsty, his provider took him to water. When he needed food, God sent birds, it says, to bring him everything that he needed. The word there for bread means everything that he needed to eat. Morning and evening, he just had to trust. You, you're sitting there uh, on your lounge or wherever you are physically, but spiritually what we need to see is that at the same time, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's where a prophetic lifestyle starts. It's where we hear God and see him move. It's where spiritual warfare is waged and won. No contest because Christ is far above all principalities and powers of demonic darkness. Jesus reigns, Jesus rules right now. And he wants us to see this when we pray, as we worship and become aware that he's right there with you and you're with him. It's not like you're going to go to heaven someday. Whatever we do, wherever we are, wherever we are, heaven comes against whatever stands against us. As we stand on the truth of his word, we're standing before the Lord. Romans five seventeen says, we can reign in life through Christ Jesus. We are with him. And when we see that, it, he's in that position of authority and honor and victory, not failure and shame and defeat and evil powers here on the earth can come against us, but they can't touch you. heavenly places if we are believers wherever we are that's where we are with him we have to shift our focus now we are present future prophetic people we can stand in the authority he's given us we're with christ in heavenly places it might not look like that's our circumstance it's our position it's our posture it's how we rise above our circumstances we rise up in christ we don't have to try to be seated far above those principalities and powers with Christ. We don't have to fight for it. We just have to believe it. And I just stood on the truth of what God said. That's what we have to do. Believe the word. That's the work of God, Jesus said. He did it all for us. Some of us us need to get this as a revelation. And when we see this, we'll see miracles like never before. We'll see victories breakthrough. When we see the Lord before whom we stand, in the places where we're standing, the authority that we stand in, the truth we stand on, what a difference it's going to make in our lives and in the lives of those we're praying for. So let's pray now, remembering the Lord before whom we stand as we ask God to show us what idols we've worshipped, what we bowed down to, what we put in his place. As we ask for his help, Lord, help us against the powers of evil that rage and come against us. Lord, we ask, ask him for his forgiveness in Jesus' mighty name, that wonderful name. Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So now we stand forgiven in our authority and we pray in the name of the Lord, high, mighty and exalted. And we ask him, Lord, have mercy on us. And Lord, you said in 2 Chronicles chapter seven, you said, when I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land so Lord as we stand now stand up if you're not doing it right, if you can stand stand Lord as we stand in that place as your people now we ask you to forgive the many sins that we've committed and the sins of our leaders and the sins of our land Heal us not only of our sicknesses, heal our nation, heal us of our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.